You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast. I am your host, Lou Need, and today I have the honor of introducing a very special guest, to the show, Eric Degotti. Eric has spent the last 20 plus years in the fitness industry and he's been coaching, training, he's been an instructor and pioneering the unique approach that, you know, to client assessment, performance and enhancement, injury prevention, and he has been teaching all over the world how to do that and how to do it effectively. He actually was part of the uh, New York bestselling book by Tim, Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Body. So, you know, this man knows his stuff. And so we're going to jump in to introduce him and talk to him about his specialty. So with no further ado, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Go ahead and tell us about... What got you started in this journey? A couple of different things. One, uh, on the performance side, uh, working with athletes, you know, I always grew up playing sports, mostly baseball and football, and always loved being in and around it. And so uh, was never gift the best DNA to be a great athlete myself. And as I say, those who can't do teach. So <laughs> I did learn later on, the more I studied this, how much more I probably could have gotten out of myself. Um, and that's kind of why, why I'm inspired to do this, with, especially with younger athletes and trying to get them to realize, you know, what that potential is. I was never going to fulfill my dream probably of playing for the Yankees, but at the same time, I could have done more had I known what I know now. And so that that's on the one side of things. And then um, just the, the fitness and, and health journey in general, I had my, my own personal struggles where I had low back pain as, <laughs> as in my early 20s to the point where I had to sleep, actually even younger than that, where I had to sleep on the floor for months and just being stubborn as I was, I didn't want to go to the doctor. And finally, my mom convinced me, you can't keep living like this. So I went, got to the doctor and it was just a general practitioner. It wasn't somebody who specialized in back pain and orthopedics in any way. And he just kind of looked at me puzzled and said, well, you know, it could be anything. I said, really? I I waited in the office for all that time and, and this is what I got? Could be anything? I said, that's not good enough. And so I said, you know what, I'll, I'm just going to go to the gym. And, and I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just going to do every machine or exercise that I know that has any relation to the back and just, you know, happily landed on luck and that it, it made my back better and said, all right, well, I'm going to kind of stick with this. And um, if I'm going to invest my time in this, I'd, I want to learn more about it. And so mm-hmm. just kind of went down a path and kept learning more and kind of, you know, here we are almost 25 years later and getting to do it with a, a lot of very interesting people and in some really interesting places and uh, getting to speak with you about it. So uh, it's been a wild journey. Yeah. Wild indeed. Isn't it interesting if you don't work it, if you don't, you lose it type of thing, that mobility, how your back was stiff and was hurt and you, you had this chronic, chronic pain for years. And the minute you started working your back, you started doing exercises tailored to your back, you strengthen it, you actually healed yourself. Yeah. And, and, you know, had I known what I know now, I could have done it in probably one tenth of the time and done it a lot more effectively. Um, but 
there is an absolute truth to that. There is a huge problem that that we have with musculoskeletal injuries. It's what mm-hmm. it's now become the number one claim in health insurance uh, companies above heart disease and everything else. Um, in that we have, it's the second leading cause for people to call in sick to work is low back pain next to the common cold, and a lot of that is just because we don't move. You know, we're mm-hmm. bound to desks and chairs all day, and we're a species that was made to move, and it's a part of who, what makes us human beings. And because we don't move then we don't move well. And because we don't move well, it changes everything from our structure to our physiology, to our mental state. And so kind of tying all those things together is really what I have found is my passion is to try to get everybody to understand the holistic aspect of it's not just going out and working and working out and sweating, that there's a lot more to this. And the the ripple effect that it can have on your everyday life is, is astounding. Yeah, astounding indeed. It, it it's almost like longevity. You're gaining more of your days. You're gaining more of your life, and it's not just longevity at the end, but the here and now. How do you maximize your performance, right? How do you show up every day for your kids, your clients, your business, even for at the office? Because that physical fitness does, as you say, connects to your to your mental. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about how to how one can maximize their performance um, and health, especially if they're considering um, the fitness industry. Sure. So uh, to make it really simple, I try to break it down in, in, in big buckets and then kind of we can always narrow down and, and get down into the, the granular stuff. But start with, the, I always say my big three things are, are number one is move. You have to move. And that doesn't have to be as confined and and restrictive as most people think it is. You don't have to go to a gym and sit on a fancy machine or have a machine with blinking lights tell you how many calories you burn to to have it count, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Whether you like to dance, whether you like to walk, ride bikes, play tennis, martial arts, there's so many options for you to move. And because we've kind of really done a bad job in my industry of selling you what fitness is, yeah. that it scares a lot of people away. And and people who either don't like the gym or are intimidated by the gym or just don't have the, the time or or the know-how to, to handle themselves in a gym, they get scared of movement altogether. And that's, that's really not the message that should be brought out, that we need to just move um, and whatever that means. And, and if it means going for a walk every day, that's going to make a, a lasting impact that doesn't get enough credit. So the first thing is move. And then obviously within each category, we can boil it down into, into more defined parts of well, what exact exercises and how long and how much and those types of things. But for, for now, just move, right? The second thing is, is fuel. And fuel is, is what we put into our bodies. The most obvious thing is our nutrition. And everything we eat, we literally, we become that. Uh, every yeah. cell in our body is made of amino acids from proteins we've eaten. It's made from glycogen and glucose from carbohydrates we've eaten. It's made of fatty acids and cholesterols and hormones that are made from fats that we've eaten. So the quality of what you are is truly from what you eat. And so the higher the quality of your food, the, the more quality all those cells will become. And the more uh, vibrant those cells are, the, the more it changes your energy, it changes all those interactions. And obviously your 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 overall health. And then fuel is not just that. Fuel is what you put into your eyes and eyes and ears as well. Mm-hmm. And so social media, uh, watching the news, all those things can be a huge detriment, right? To your to not yeah. only your your physical but your psychological health. So mindful of what fuel you let in. That's the people you hang around with, the books you read, the TV you watch, the, the how you spend your time and what you let into your into your being is is part of that fuel. And then the last piece is is reset. 
And that's something we were not really good at. You know, I, I'm in the New York, New Jersey area, as you can tell by my accent. We we are go, go, go all mm-hmm. the time. Actually, I saw an interesting stat that the U.S. is, I think, only is maybe second in the world as far as being the worst in terms of leisure time like and, and having downtime. And so we don't really reset at all. And so that no pain, no gain, you know, uh, pedal to the metal type of thing. It doesn't work. It's not how our physiologies are meant to be. That's not how you've evolved as a species. And we need the ability to reset. And whether it's a momentary reset of being able to just take a deep breath, being mm-hmm. able to take 10 minutes and, and meditate and focus or something, or it's our sleep, which is one of the most impactful things on our overall health from which ties into every, it's one of the biggest factors in brain deterioration. Okay. If you, if you look at Dr. Sanjay Gupta has a great book called brain rules, and he has four big factors in terms of not just overall health, but specifically to brain health as we age. And one of the biggest correlates with Alzheimer's and, and uh, mental deterioration is, is lack of sleep. And mm. so getting high quality sleep is extremely important. So that's all part of the reset part. So you got to move, you got to be able to fuel properly and you have to be able to reset. Mm-hmm. I love the, um, the fuel. You added a piece in there that I think is rare is you have to watch out what you're feeding your senses, what kind yes. of things you're putting in there, your eyesight, your, what you're listening to, uh, eating, touching people who are around you essentially, because they're fueling your energy as well. Right. They're getting you energized or actually depleting your energy. So tell us a little bit about that aspect of that refuel um, piece of it where, you know, you are the average of the five people you hang around. A thousand percent. So one of the, I have, uh, so one of the things in terms of my everyday, I work a lot with athletes and I work, I'm contracted to work with teams and the, a lot of the high school teams I work with, we set some basic rules uh, that we have in terms of our team culture. And so one of those rules is always bring energy into the room. And I say, you're always doing one of two things. You're either adding energy to the room or you're taking energy away. And I explained it to say, you know, you, you get to some place and you see somebody's car there. You see somebody's at a place and you're like, oh, no, I don't want to deal with this person. I said, don't be that person. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I said, there's other people that you walk in the room like, oh, good. So-and-so's here today. You know, I'm excited to be here. And your energy changes. I said, so you're always either adding or taking away energy into the room. And so you want to be that person that adds energy into the room and, and stay away from. And, and, and I always say, if you're taking energy out of our room, I'm taking you out of the room. I won't let <laughs> one person's negative energy take down this team. So if you're going to be that negative influence, then we're just going to take you away. Right. Um, and so I've kicked many an athlete out of a weight room or a, a training session because they're taking energy away from from the greater whole. Right. Yeah. And impacting it in a such negative way. It's toxic almost. Yeah. And, and we get that. We get that that energy because we're a bundle of energy. We're transferring energy all the time. And we get that um, in the office room, in the business room or wherever we are. We, we get that aspect of it. So tell us about challenges that you encounter with um, people who don't quite understand the importance of fitness and how it all is intercorrelated to their well-being, to their happiness, to, you know, all of it. Like what challenges and how do you overcome those challenges when you meet those individuals? So I think the, the, the key to success that I found is, is every person that I work with, we always start with a very thorough assessment. Mm-hmm. And again, we start in a very global level and then we work down uh, to the more you know detailed level. But we start with, we're three sides of what I call a triad of health, which I, I took from a guy by the name of Dr. George Goodhart. And our three sides are structural, 
which mm-hmm. is our muscles, our joints, our bones. That's kind of the hardware. There's the chemical, which is all the trillions of cells in our body that are changing over every second that we're sitting here talking. And then you have your mental, which is the thoughts and spirit that tie it all together. Now, I always say there's things we can control and there's things we can't. Like I, I wake up every day wishing I was a little bit taller at being at five, <laughs> six, and it's just not going to happen. So, but there are things that I can do to change my structure, either positively or negatively. If I sit on a couch all day, I'll pretty much have a body built for sitting on a couch and mm-hmm. it will reflect that. Whereas I can also make positive changes where I can improve my mobility. I can improve, I can improve my balance and control. I can improve my strength, my speed, my power. I can influence my structure by movement is my biggest yeah. influence. But when I move, I don't just affect that. When you move, it actually affects your chemistry. You're going to, you're going to release endorphins. You're going to have uh, all sorts of physiological changes that are going to happen. Um, it also can affect your mental state. So it all kind of loops together. Now the uh, chemical side of things that's most influenced by, as I said earlier, your nutrition, either positively or negatively. And so same thing that connects also in that if you have eat certain things that aren't right for you, it can create inflammation. It can create uh, issues with chronic pain syndromes and so forth that, that that can be tied to. It can also affect your mental state, right? In terms of the things that you eat that no one ever ate a you know, big bat of candy and then felt so much better about themselves. Yeah. Right. So those things are interconnected. And then the mental is kind of, like I said before, that's the, that's the, the people you hang around with. That's the books you read, the TV you watch, those kind of things. And so the more we can control the controllables is going to be the most important thing. And then the second thing as part of that assessment is say, well, where is your weakest link? What is holding you back? What is going to be your biggest challenge? And so I actually have a uh, an assessment that I do within that triad where I break that triad into smaller subcomponents and have people rate themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be surprised to say, wow, you know, when I total up this thing that as much as I want to go exercise and move, and I know that's going to be beneficial, my lowest score was my chemical side. And when I realized, wow, I, I really need to pay more t- attention to what I eat. And that's the awareness piece. That's the the most important and and impactful thing that I find is making people aware of where their blind spots. And then the the opposite side of that is is also looking at where's your lever that you can use to start to gain some success because success Mm -hmm. begets success. So I need you to do at least something that you could win today with. Um, So if it means today you're going to go out for you know a twenty minute walk and you're going to walk at this pace and that's your win for today, then that's your win for today. And then what happens is that will then hopefully feed into other habits and and rituals that you can make part of your day, that it becomes something that is just you. And I always say the the industry that is is really the only industry that has nailed that in in all of health is the dental industry, right? And uh, I don't think anybody's ever said, Lenny, that, you know, I just don't have enough time in my day because I spend 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night brushing and flossing. (laughs) It's just way, it's just way too much. It's way too time consuming. But because we've bought into the concept of that, if I do this now, I won't have this problem later. We haven't done a good job with that in fitness. Whereas if you go for this walk now, it's going to save you the orthopedic problem later. It's going to save you that issue of, of some metabolic disease later. And so if we can go with the same mindset to say, if you could just do these simple habits once or twice a day, it's going to have a lasting impact, just like we brush our teeth in the hopes that our teeth won't fall out. Right. Yeah. Um, and also habit stacking, right? Knowing that you have a time of day, you set a specific time up to do it. So it's a lot easier for you to follow through on that. And I, I love you, but the, the notion of habit, because I want to talk about your habits, you know, as a fitness coach, I'm sure yours is pretty uh, robust and we'd be thrilled to hear it. So tell us about how you get up, dress up and show up. 
Okay. So there's certain things that I always talk to my clients that you want to make as non-negotiables. Like this is mm-hmm. who I am. This is what I do. This is part of my day. For me personally, I've, as someone who's ironically always hated doing cardiovascular exercise, I was always a, a meathead in the weight room, lifting weights and never got into cardiovascular exercise until the last few years and got myself a, a bike for my basement and uh, got myself something called a Morpheus band, which helps track my heart rate and program out my cardiovascular training. Uh, that's something that I do every day. And so it's, it's, it's basically 30 minutes at varying intensities based on my current state of readiness that day, which that Morpheus strap will tell me. That's kind of part of my rituals. Another thing that I put as, as part of my everyday in the last few years is, is some type of breathing practice. Um, mm. uh, Wim Hof is one that I'll do quite often, especially if it's first thing in the morning because it's an energizing breath. Anytime we mm. exaggerate our inhales and we lessen the exhale, that's going to be more of an excitation type breathing. Whereas if I want to settle down and relax, we want to exaggerate the exhales. Well, I'll use this because I'm not really a caffeine person. So I'll use the Wim Hof breathing as kind of my morning caffeine. And I'll follow that up with some, he has a breath hold push-up type of routine that that I do. So that's kind of, those are some of the keys that I have there as far as uh, movement, um, as far as fuel. I will always kind of supplement with some sort of greens type drink. Uh, there's something called AG1 or Athletic Greens that that's a very well made product. That's a just kind of a good supplement as a fortification and a, and a an insurance policy so much on your, your physiological uh, nutrition. And then the the last piece in terms of reset and kind of what I let into my head is uh, I discovered through books like The Daily Stoic. Uh, mm-hmm. discovered uh, some of the writings of some of the, the Stoic philosophers. And actually, the Daily Stoic is very nicely configured in that it's just a short little passage each day. And so uh, I'm a big into audiobooks. So I try to listen to probably at least you know 15 to 20 books a year. And I'll listen to, to at least a little something each day mm-hmm. that's going to kind of get my head in that right space. So that's kind of how I kind of check my three buckets of, of the of the move and fuel and, and reset. The non-negotiables. Yeah, I, I do love that. Got to get the exercise in. I'm stimulating the mind. Um, if, if it's um, audiobook or podcasting, that stuff is really what you do in the first 10 minutes, set the tone for the rest of it. So you have to be intentional about it every day and every morning. So I'm really glad that you you talked about it. I want to talk about nutrition for a little bit because I think we undermine the importance of protein in our diet, you know, because we're so, carbs are addicting, right? We're always craving them and they're, they're the worst, they're bad for you. But let's talk about the, because um, I know you were a bodybuilder and, and, you know, lifting a lot of weight and had the, the intake of protein. Tell us about the importance of protein and how it fuels the body in a different way than carbs does. Uh, well, it's important because one, it's it's a primary building block uh, for a lot of things within our body, not only muscle, but but a lot of other tissues within our uh, uh, body and all our cells. And no, the, the recommendations that are given to us are, are far, far too low. Yeah. At a minimum, we should be usually having at least a gram per kilogram of body weight. And usually for my athletes who are training hard, they need almost double that. And so when I give someone, you know, any kind of recommendations in terms of what they should look for, that's one of the first things to say is you 
try to make sure you hit that mark every day. You want to stay somewhere somewhere within your calories, um, but more importantly, make sure you hit that protein mark. Because what you're going to find is not only this stuff that you don't see that we just talked about, but you're going to find that you're, there's a huge satiating factor, meaning that there's a, a huge factor to protein that helps blunt your hunger. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you have, have that fact, uh, you'll tend to eat less of the, the junky sugary type foods or fatty types food is you're getting enough protein in throughout. And so getting that protein is extreme, extremely helpful. Now, it, sometimes that's a struggle for people because it's not convenient. It doesn't have handles on it. Most of the time you can't get it out of the car window and the ones that you do are really lousy versions of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes some time in terms of preparation, but if you can take that time, it is well worth that investment. And so there's also challenges where some people may or may not want to have meat or dairy or, or certain things like that. So that creates some limitations, but there's still lots of ways you can get protein in. And if it means going all the way down the line that you just can't get it from foods, there are some really high quality protein shakes that you can yeah. that you can supplement with as well. The key in with that is making sure you're getting the right kind. And that there's, I always explain it in the most simple way is that when you walk into your GNC or vitamin shop, there's a there's a little section where I shop where the, the bag of proteins a little bit more pricey and it's maybe $35, $40 a bag. And I said, and then there's a section in the back that they sell all to the, to the overzealous high school kids where it's a giant canister or dog food size bag for $20. There's a reason why it's that big and it's that cheap. It's because that's the junk all left over after they made my good stuff. And so there's not really, not really a whole lot of quality to that. So making sure quality is probably more important sometimes than actually trying to look at, you know, the, everybody always looks at the calories and the the grams of protein, carbs and fat when what they really should be going to first is the ingredient list and understanding that the ingredient list is stacked in uh, order in which they put it in there. So sugar is the number one ingredient. That means that's loaded with sugar. And so looking at those ingredients, and I always say, if you can't pronounce what's on the label um, or you need a biochemistry degree, three to figure out what you're eating, it's probably not good for you. So that's where you should look first is in the quality of it. And then you can go secondarily to see, well, how many grams of, you know, this macronutrient or that macronutrient has. Sound advice. Um, I just saw my doula yesterday. My husband and I were expecting our first. And I was shocked when she said we need 80 to 100 grams of protein a day. I was like, how in the world am I going to make that happen? (laughs) You know, just the protein shake in the morning is not going to cut it or just the intro with 19 grams of fat. I mean, a protein, we got to like incorporate yogurt, dairy, nuts, all these other things. Every meal has to have some type of um, protein. And I think the misconception is you can only get protein from meat. Yeah, no. And and yeah, every meal should have some some representation of protein. And again, it's, it's for the nutritive value, but it's also because it's going to help you not eat as much of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know you you got to work with Tim Ferriss on the um, four hour body. Tell us about how that experience was for you. Uh, it was a very cool experience in that one of my mentors, a guy by the physical therapist by the name Greg Cook, created something called the functional movement screen. And the FMS, as it's, it's more commonly known, has been something that's been used by physical therapists and strength coaches and trainers worldwide for the past 20 plus years. Well, I was fortunate enough to meet Gray. In, in the early years of FMS, I became a lead instructor for the system and, and got to teach it all over the world. And so when Tim was writing his book, he wanted to incorporate, uh, he has actually two chapters about the FMS in the book in movement. And so he reached out to Gray and Gray was working with him on the book. And he said, I want to get tested. I need to get screened so I can experience this firsthand. 
so Gray called me up and he said, listen, I have a guy who's in town. He's, he's actually writing a, a blurb for the back of his book. He said, he wants to come out and get tested. Can you help him out? You know, he didn't tell me why he was doing, why he was sending to mm-hmm. me. He just wanted to get tested. And I just assumed this is just a guy who's an author. So I'm expecting some horn rimmed, you know, gray beard professor, like author to walk in. And, and this young guy in board shorts walks in really cool guy and put him through the movement screen, found some things that he was, he was kind of impressed to say, well, that, that we discovered about his shoulders, and, you know, was appreciative, gave him some stuff he could do about that and sent him on his way and didn't really think anything of it. And then from there, I said, you know what, I'm going to go check him out. And mm-hmm. I read his four hour work week book, which was, which was really interesting mm-hmm. um, in terms of not just the concepts, but in terms of his backstory and, and life stories was fascinating. And then, you know, fast forward, maybe six to eight months later, and we get a phone call, you know, at the time I own my own facility and we get a phone call and someone says, you know, I want to set up an appointment with Eric. And at the time I wasn't taking on any new clients. And he said, this guy's just insistent. He wants to see you. And I said, fine, you know, here's the rate. Here he comes in, the guy walks in and he's got this big, thick blue book. And, and he says, well, you're the guy. And I said, uh, I guess, what does that mean? He says, page 236 or whatever page it is. And he opens up the book and I see my name in there and, and Tim Ferriss mentions, you know, I went and got a movement screen from Eric Gaddy at his, at his facility. And he never told me that he wasn't telling, he didn't tell me he was doing the book. He just came in, wanted to get a, a real life firsthand experience. So I didn't find out until way after the fact when the book was out that I was even in it. But, and then I found out some, some colleagues and friends like Joe DeFranco and other people that I knew in the training world were also mentioned as well. And it was a very cool experience. Such a great guy. <laughs> that sounds totally like him. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So, Eric, how can we connect with you? How can we find you? Easiest place is just to go to my website. It's Eric Degatti. It's E-R-I-C-D-A-G-A-T-I.com. And then on there, there's uh, media where you can see, uh, you know, all the links to my uh, social media and you can follow me on there. I try to put out some sort of educational content every single day, as well as any previous podcasts I've been on, which this one will be on there, you know, as soon as it's live. And then I also have something on the homepage because I do so much public speaking and I get a lot of questions from people is I have something called ask Eric on there. So if you just write a question on there, it goes directly to my email. So if you have any questions about anything we talked about today or anything related to health, fitness, performance, just put it in there, it goes right to my email and I'll do my guess to, uh, best to get back to you right away. Yes. And especially if it's around what move reset, uh, fuel and, fuel. and then reset yes. and then yeah. reset. It's been a pleasure having you on board. Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thank you. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts, that's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.